As an older person now, I mean, I'm old-ish, right? I'm, I'm of a certain vintage, as the case may be. Then um, I think it's time for me to tell you a story about something I did in school. This was not high school. This was junior high. And you guys, you mean middle school. No, junior high. You see, some of you might not know, but when I was growing up, it was elementary school was first through sixth grade. And you didn't go into junior high until seventh grade, and you stayed there seven, eight, nine, and then you went to high school in 10th grade. And then, um, so there was a move over the country to go and bring the ninth graders into high school and bring the sixth graders into middle school. And that happened while I was going to school. So I was in sixth grade in elementary school and then I went to seventh grade and I um, was the new kid. I was the, we were the youngest. And then the next year they went from junior high to a middle school and then I was in eighth grade and then I was the top. I was the, the big kahuna. So I went from, there was no middle for me. I went from being the youngest in, in the school to being the oldest in the school. Now, when I um, went to Jackson Junior High here in Albuquerque, um, I was sort of lost. I wasn't sure what kind of activities I was going to be a part of. So today, I would like to tell you a story of my one day as a member of the Jackson Junior High golf team. So the first day of practice came and we had our clubs. My dad was a pretty accomplished golfer and I had been out with him lots of times. And um, I was, I thought I was pretty good, but I was the youngest. And so the team, there was enough to have five foursomes if you combined the girls and the guys. And so I got stuck in the last of the foursomes, the fifth group, and I was with the girls. Now, I knew from watching my dad that when my dad played golf, he had golf spikes to help you maintain, you know, strength to swing. I didn't have golf spikes. So I decided to bring my baseball spikes. Now, some of you who play golf, the alarms were already going off in your head. Now, golf spikes and baseball spikes are completely different. Golf spikes are little, small little spikes that stick in so that you have some grip. Baseball spikes are, they're huge and they stick into the ground and they make a mess of the turf. So, unbeknownst to the coach who went off with the first group, I started playing golf. I got 
to just before getting onto the ninth tee when a groundskeeper came tearing up with a three-wheeler and he announced, who's got spikes? Who's got, who's tearing up the greens? And he looked at my shoes. And he literally grabbed me and took me back to the eighth green. And you could see on the eighth green everywhere I had walked. Now, I wasn't a very good putter. And so I putted around three or four times. The green was torn to shreds. He made me take my shoes off. And I finished the front nine in socks. I couldn't go on. I was so embarrassed. Even the girls who decided to play golf were laughing at me. And I sat on a bench and waited for my dad to pick me up. And I had to explain to him what had happened. Needless to say, I never, never was on a golf team again. Now, what does this have to do with church service back and the Bible? Well, we're going to get to that. Okay? But needless to say, when I was in junior high, middle school, I was kind of a knucklehead. But let's go to now, this week in our reading, what we, would, what we are doing, if this is your first time here, we're going to the Bible, and this year we have decided to do the historical books. And we are halfway through our historical books, and we are in Second Kings. And so as you were reading Second Kings this week, we're all trying to read the same passages of Scripture together daily. So for six days of the week, we read the same passage, and then when you get to Sunday... A pastor or someone get up here will talk about something that that you read about this week. And this week, something very eventful happened in the nation of Israel. The northern kingdom has now fallen. And the Assyrian Empire comes and takes away all the northern tribes. They go into captivity, as the case may be. They get taken out of the area, the northern part of Israel. Israel and they are dispersed within Nineveh and around Nineveh, part of the Assyrian group where they're where they're living. Because what um, emperors found is if you took them out of their own home and you took them somewhere else, they were less likely to revolt. And so that's what they did. So all the ten northern tribes have been taken from their homeland in Palestine and put up in a place called Gozan, which is north of Nineveh. I don't have the map today, but I, I thought maybe we would read Second Kings 17 because Second Kings 17 in, is in three parts. We're going to do the first two today. The first part talks about the last king because, you know, in, in all the books of Kings, we talk about it talks about the kings of Judah, the kings of Israel, and how, they're inter- and how they work. And we get to the last 
king of the northern tribe, and that's Hosea. Okay, so we're going to read a little bit about that. And then the writer of 2 Kings decides to make a comment of why all of this happened. Because this, this, the people of Israel were supposed to be God's people. They were, they were given this land by God. They were supposed to do a number of things to show the rest of the world that God was God. And then the third section um, talks about what happens to the northern tribes. And how the, the new groups of people that had been brought in by the Assyrians to fill up the land that didn't know the God of Israel. All right, so let's read 2 Kings 17, 1 through 23. So hopefully you have that with you. Hope you have your book or your Bible or it'll be up on the screen. Here we go. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hoshea, son of Allah, became king of Israel in Samaria. And he reigned nine years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but not like the kings of Israel who preceded him. Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up to attack Hoshea, who had been Shalmaneser's vassal and had paid him tribute. But the king of Assyria discovered that Hoshea was a traitor. For he had sent envoys to So, king of Egypt, and he no longer paid tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore, Shalmaneser seized him and put him in prison. The king of Assyria invaded the entire land, marched against Samaria, and laid siege to it for three years. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and deported the Israelites to Assyria. He settled them in Halah, in Gozen, on the Habar River, in the towns of the Medes. Verse 7. All this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of Egypt from under the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They worshipped other gods and followed the practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before them, as well as the practices that the kings of Israel had introduced. The Israelites secretly did things against the Lord their God that were not right. From watchtower to fortified city, they built themselves high places in all of their towns. They set up sacred stones and asherah poles on every high hill and under every spreading tree. At every high place, they burned incense as the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done. They did wicked things that aroused the Lord's anger. They worshipped idols, though the Lord had said, you shall not do this. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers. Turn from your evil ways. Observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey. And that I delivered to you through my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen and were as stiff-necked as their ancestors who did not trust in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors and the statutes he had warned them to keep. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do. They forsook all the commands of the Lord their God and made for themselves two idols cast in the shape of calves and an astral pole. They bowed down to all the starry hosts and they worshiped Baal. They sacrificed their sons and daughters in the fire. They practiced divination. 
and sought omens and sold themselves to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah was left. And even Judah did not keep the commands of the Lord their God. They followed the practices Israel had introduced. Therefore, the Lord rejected all the people of Israel. He inflicted them and gave them into the hands of plunderers until he thrust them from his presence. When he tore Israel away from the house of David, they made Jeroboam, son of Nebat, their king. And Jeroboam enticed Israel away from following the Lord and caused them to commit a great sin. The Israelites persisted in all the sins of Jeroboam and did not turn away from them until the Lord removed them from his presence as he had warned through all his servants, the prophets. So the people of Israel were taken from their homeland into exile in Assyria and they are still there. Okay, so we, we've just read what happened to the northern tribes. And the why. It's interesting that I have sort of a soft spot for Hosea, the last king. Because it says he wasn't as bad. He assassinated the former king and became king. But he's not that bad. I mean, that's like saying, huh. How, how good was he? Well, he wasn't very good, but he wasn't as bad as the other ones. That's, that's probably saying something. And so, Hosea is made a vassal. He, the Assyrians come in and instead of taking over, they said, okay, you will, we'll let you still be king, but you got to pay us tribute. So he's basically paying for it so that they don't invade. Well, Hosea, after he gets a little comfortable with that, he decides to reach out to Egypt down in the south to maybe make arrangements that maybe Egypt will protect the northern tribes should Assyria come in. And so Hosea decides to stop paying tribute. Well, Egypt doesn't do anything for them. Hosea, instead of relying on the Lord, he relies on another nation. Another nation that God originally took them out of because they served other gods. Yet he put his trust in another man rather than God. And we see the results. And you notice the writer talks way back to the king 200 years earlier, Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who says caused Israel to sin. And we talked about this, that he set up two new temples. He said, you don't need to go down to Jerusalem, even though the law says that. You, I've set up the, these are your gods, Israel. And they were both within the northern territory, so they wouldn't have to go down to Jerusalem. And so we see all the Levites saying, no, 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 that we shouldn't do this. So they all go down to Judah, 
to the southern. And so what Jeroboam does is he installs anybody nearby who wants to do it to become a priest for the for these two counterfeit temples to be able to sacrifice. And that starts the demise of the northern kingdom. Because if you pick and choose what you're going to follow in the law, then pretty soon, well, I don't have to go to Jerusalem. I have to appear before God in his temple. I'll just go to this other place. And, you know, that's kind of a far walk anyway. So maybe I'll just set something next door or the next high hill. And, you know, my neighbor, he has other gods. He has Asherah poles. He has Molech. He has all kinds of these different things. Well, you know, I don't want to offend any, anybody, so I'll, I'll take all the gods. I'll sacrifice to all the gods because I want gods to, to do something for me. And they begin this downward spiral and they start doing things that they never thought they would do. Wait, sacrificing your children in the fire in order to get good things to happen for you? Wait, what? Going to temples with Asherah and Baal with temple prostitutes and getting into illicit sexual affairs while God never told you to do that. And because they continued to do that and they did something in public, they did something in private, God wiped them out. And they were taken out of the land and placed somewhere else. Gosh, I wish... Can you imagine if you're someone in the, in the northern tribes? I wish, I wish God had told me. <laughs> well, he did. Let's look at three passages in Deuteronomy. Moses, who's known as the prophet of prophets said a few things way before everybody was even set up, even before Israel lights went into the promised land. He said these things. Let's first go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And during the, what, what, let me put this in context. Moses is giving a series of sermons and he's telling him, listen, there's blessings and there's curses. If you follow me, if you follow what I'm telling you to do, if you follow the Lord, if you love the Lord, there will be blessings. If you don't, there will be curses. Okay? So he says this in chapter 28. He says, starting in verse 49, The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away, from the ends of the earth, like an eagle swooping down, a nation whose language you will not understand, a fierce-looking nation without respect for the old or pity for the young. They will devour the young of your livestock and the crops of your land until you are destroyed. They will leave you no grain, new wine or olive oil, nor any calves of your herds or lambs of your flocks until you are ruined. And they will lay siege to all the cities throughout your land until the high fortified walls in which you trust fall down. They will besiege all the cities throughout the land and the Lord your God is giving you. And this is one of the things that exactly what happens. It takes three years, but Samaria falls. 
So Omri and Ahab built walls around Samaria. I guess they're pretty good walls because they lasted three years before they were broken down and invaded Samaria and took them all away. So Moses, years ago, are telling him, this is what's going to happen if you forsake me. Deuteronomy 28, continuing on, 64 through 67, Moses says this about the curse. Then the Lord will scatter you among all the nations from one end of the earth to the other. There you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your ancestors have known. Among those nations you will find no repose, no resting place for the sole of your feet. The Lord will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary with longing, and a despairing heart. You will live in constant suspense, filled with dread both night and day, never sure of your life. In the morning you will say, if only it were evening, and in the evening, if only it were morning. Because of the terror that will fill your hearts and the sights that your eyes will see. Again, Moses called it. He said this would happen. The writer of Second Kings, or the book of Kings, is telling him, told you, told you this was going to happen. And it's happening. So it shouldn't surprise you. Why? Because it was in the law. The law was supposed to be on everyone's lips. They were supposed to have read it. They were supposed to have known it. But they weren't. And they didn't. And because of that, God, who is true to his word, did it. So, further on, Moses says this in chapter 30 of Deuteronomy. He's giving them the choice. He says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. This is verse 15. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, And if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing, the Jordan, to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. So that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice. Hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Told you. And it happened. And the writer is telling people. He's talking about the northern tribes. And you can see you can see Judah. Wow. We still got Jerusalem. We still got the temple. We didn't get taken. But the writer says, even Judah's not doing it. So in 721, the northern tribes were taken away. It wasn't until 586 where the nation of Judah gets taken out too. 
And so there'll be a, there'll be a series of, of kings. You'll have good kings, bad kings for the rest of the duration as we read kings. So what do these passages have anything to say to us today? What do these passages have anything to do with the graduates today? Here's what I want to tell you today to encourage you for your life. I have five. Number one, you need to love the Lord your God and trust his word. You need to. Let me encourage you to love the Lord your God and to trust his word. We need to live to please God and not man. When when you love God, you want to please him. And what other people say, you might listen to them, but your job, if you will, in life is to love God and to give him glory. You need to love God by having a relationship with him. And you can't have a relationship with God. You can't love God unless you know him. And he has revealed himself in his word. And this is how you get to know God. This is how you develop a relationship with him. And this is how you know what to do because God has laid it out. Now, is that a guarantee for quote unquote success in life? There's no prosperity gospel here. But there is a life that's worth living. There is a destiny that God ordained for you. But he's not going to force himself on you. He's given you the choice. And Jesus, when they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. That's two different passages, but he has two different commands, but he combines it into one. To love the Lord your God, you need to love others. There's a a group. It's grouped together. It's one commandment out of two. So you need to love the Lord your God, and you need to trust his word. That's number one. Second... By the way, it says, I told you to love the Lord your God and to trust his word. Not just the written word, but do you know what Jesus is called? The word of God. Trust Jesus. Number two, you guys need to be aware of counterfeits. Remember, the big thing with Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who did this, he put up counterfeit temples. He set up things and he said something that looked like what was supposed to be doing, but it was a counterfeit. It wasn't what God asked. And you need to be aware of counterfeits. What does that look like today? You need to watch out for combined religion. And that means taking a little bit from 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 Buddhism and taking a little bit from um, the Muslim faith or taking anything from 
you know, hugging trees or whatever and combining them with the the following of the Lord. Because then it gets gets funky, gets crazy, gets strange things. And you need to be aware of that God is very specific in his obedience on how you are supposed to follow him. And anything else is not what he's asked you to do. So beware of the counterfeits. Also, what this plays out today is the buffet style of, of faith. And that means you read the Bible and you go, well, this, this is hard. So I'm, I don't really want to follow this. Oh, but I like this. I don't like this. The buffet style. You know, we may, we may never have buffets again, but we used to. And, you know, when, when you went through buffets, you say, you know what? I, I really don't like Brussels sprouts. So you sort of go buy it. Hey, but I like corn. I like mashed potatoes. I like cherry pie. I like cake. I, like... I remember going through furs years ago. It's like, I had maybe, I think I had the chopped steak and then about 12 desserts. Family wasn't too happy about that. But I got to pick and choose what I wanted, but it probably wasn't healthy for me. Listen, when you are following the Lord, you need to follow the total of Lord, what the Lord asks you to do. When we are told our job in life, one of them is to make disciples teaching them to obey all that I commanded. Not some that I commanded, but all that I commanded. That's why we have the New Testament. That's why we have the Gospels. That's why we, God's word through Jesus is revealed so that we can follow the Lord, all of his commands. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. Number three, you need to know your history. You need to know the history of the Bible. You need to know the history. Listen, one of the things that concerns me, if you look at what the nation of the northern tribe of Israel, they forgot all that God had done for them by bringing them out of Egypt. That's why the author tells them, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt, and yet you're not listening to him. You're not doing this. He gave you this land. They, they completely forgot what he did for them. He forgot, they forgot what he told them to do, and so they were doomed to make mistakes. Listen, going on in this world, we need to remember we need to remember the sacrifice of what people in America did for freedoms in this country. Otherwise, we just have this expectation that this is all, all for me. It's not. So remember your history. Number four. Play the movie. Listen, during my vacation, I read a book by Dr. Henry Cloud. It's called The Nine Things You Simply Must Do. I don't know if you've read it, but 
One of the things he says of the nine things you must do is called playing the movie. As a young person and the choices you make, don't just do the expedient right then, but look how your choices will play out for the rest of your life. For example, maybe you're young, you're married, and you meet someone else other than your spouse, and they are, well, you get along with them, and they're, 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 they're fun, and, and you don't have your spouse harping at you, and this person is friendly and kind, and I'm, oh, this is nice, someone at work, this is great. And then you get closer and closer, and next thing you know, you do something, and you are unfaithful. Because, hey, I like the person, feels good. Play the movie out. Play the movie out for a short time. It may seem like fun, but you know what? There's going to be destruction of family. What are you, your children are going to have to be living in two different families, or they're not going to be able to trust you because you don't, you're not trustworthy. It, it's play the movie, see what happens. Maybe you are at work and you go, you know what? They don't need all these staples and staplers. I'm going to take some of this stuff home. You just start stealing. And then you go into bigger and more things. The next thing you know, you've lost your job. And now you are a thief. And now you're hard to employ. Play the movie out. See how the choices that you make will play out. Listen, sin always looks good. If, it, if sin didn't look good, we'd never do a sin. Have you noticed that when God says, do not do something, it's because we have a tendency to want to do it. You know, I could say, God could, could, could have given me a, a, you know, a, a law and said, don't eat persimmons. I'd been, oh, I got that one. That's good. I'll, I'll never do that. We didn't have that. He didn't say that. He said, don't lie. He said, don't steal. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Instead of loving myself. And so I have to guard against that. And I have to play out the movie. When I, It helps me make choices if I play the movie out. And so what looks like a good choice right now is probably not a good choice. So play the movie. And number five, choose life. Choose life the way God intended you know what? Each one of you, and I know because I've known you guys for years, each one of you has a gift and gifts and talents. They didn't come from you. They're God-given. All of them. And they're, they're amazing. You guys do things, some things that I could never do. Because I don't have those gifts, but you do. How are you going to use these gifts? How are you going to use these smarts? How are you going to use these talents? 
You can use it for yourself or you can use it for God. You can use it to bless others. You can use it to point people to God and give Him glory. You can do that. That's your choice. Just like Moses said, is choosing life, choosing death. Guys, I want you to choose life. I absolutely want you to choose life. And that life includes living a life that reflects on God and his goodness and his glory. Sound good? Is that something you want to do? Let me tell you, it's hard. Because we... We get distracted. We forget. We forget. So choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. That's what Joshua said just before they went into the promised land. Or actually, they had already conquered. But he, just before he finished his, his leadership. This is what I want you to know. This is what I want to encourage you with. It's important. Now, what does that have to do with 7th grade golfer tearing up the things? I never once looked back at the greens after I was chipping and punting or putting around the green. I never looked. When the groundskeeper <laughs> grabbed me and dragged me to the eighth green to show me what I had done, I had to agree. I probably shouldn't have been doing that because it was shredded all over the place. I didn't look back. The reason why you have a 55-year-old man telling you these things. is isn't just because I uh, don't know what I'm talking about. It's because I've lived life. These five things I'm telling you that we can get directly from Scripture, I've pushed the envelope. I've done those things. And now I look back And I look at the devastation that was caused because I didn't follow the Lord with my whole heart for much of my life. All of you guys are youngish. You're a certain vintage too. Learn from my mistakes and step out in faith and follow the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul. Things will go well for you. They won't be perfect, but they will go well for you. Let's pray with me. Father God, we are so grateful for these group of graduates. Lord, this has been such a strange year. They haven't been able to be recognized by their peers, they haven't been able to do a lot. Because of their accomplishments. But Lord you know what they've done. 
You know the steps they took, the sacrifices they've made to get their diploma or degree. Lord, I know you're proud. And Father God, you have each given them a mind that is sharp and strong. Lord, it is my prayer that you will be with them, indwell them with your spirit, help them to step out and to make your name a good name and to bring you glory with their lives. Thank you, Lord, that we can all be here as a church community to give them an applause, to give them encouragement and to help them in their lives. And help us in our lives, Lord. You are a God of redeem. You've redeemed us, many of us. We have made mistakes, but you have redeemed us. Thank you, Lord, for what you do. Ask, Lord, that you will continue to do that until the day you call us home. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.